Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Crypto Hipster Podcast. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, where I bring you founders, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, artists, amazing guests throughout the world, globally, in, in crypto, blockchain, metaverses, NFTs, you name it. Um, and today I have an amazing guest. His name is Justin Trevor Winters. He is the co-founder and CEO of Verified Labs. Um, Justin, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here with you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So uh, first question to kick things off, I'll ask you is this. What is your background and is it a logical background for what you're doing now? Great question. Uh, and before I approach that question, I do have to say, I do go by Justin Trevor Winters, but this is not a pretentious thing. I know how like authors and writers and producers usually like to use their full name. I simply go by my full name because when I got into the entertainment industry, there were several Justin Winters that were in the industry, one of whom was in adult entertainment. Um, so I had to make sure that, you know, I distinguished myself, used my middle name uh, to stand out a bit. So otherwise, my mother would have had a lot of questions and she was very happy that I used the middle name that she gave me, Trevor. So uh, not a pretentious thing, just a, more of a, you know, logical thing. Um, yeah, a little bit about my background. I've always had a passion for storytelling. Um, I have a family that's very interesting. I have family that my grandmother was a professional ballroom dancer. Um, you know, an uncle was a, a great uncle was a pianist. Uh, another uncle was a writer. Another was a college professor. My dad was a salesman. Um, so I kind of had all of those things working together, which made me uh, distinctly position myself in the industry as someone who could potentially be a storyteller, screenwriter and producer. Um, so I went to school for it, uh, undergrad at UC Santa Barbara, where I studied film and media studies with a focus on screenwriting and producing. Got into the industry right out of college. One of my first jobs was actually working um, at an agency in a lit department at Innovative Artists. Um, and I was assisting and representing writers and directors. So one of our clients was Stuart Beatty, who created the entire Pirates of the Caribbean film franchise. Another was Catherine Bigelow, who was the first female director to win an Oscar uh, for Hurt Locker. So I was really thrown into the fire immediately with talent. Um, and, I, and I was able to learn the business side of things very quickly. Um, so spent some time in, at Innovative. Then I went to a creative artist agency, CAA, which is arguably one of the biggest agencies in the world. And same thing, assisted in representing talent. There it was focused on uh, motion picture talent, so actors and actresses. We had a crazy roster of anywhere from, you know, Brad Pitt to Ashton Kutcher to Jamie Foxx to Colin Farrell. Um, the list just went on and on. The, the talent that was there was pretty, pretty incredible. Um, and then after I spent some time there, I decided I had learned as much as I needed to about the business. I'd made a ton of connections um, and I felt confident that I could go out on my own as a storyteller, initially starting as a screenwriter. Uh, where the very first script I ever wrote actually was optioned and produced. Um, and then because of that kind of success with this project called Killing Winston Jones, um, you know, when you get your name in the trades, every all of a sudden people think you're a lot more important than you actually are. <laughs> so, 
you know, family and friends are reaching out and they're like, oh my gosh, are you famous? Do you live in a mansion like in Malibu, like uh, overlooking the water? Um, and I'm like, it's one independent movie <laughs> that I just wrote. I mean, we had a good cast, Richard Dreyfuss, Danny Glover, you know, John Heater, all that. Um, but what it did is it opened up a lot of doors. I started getting invited to guest lecture and speak on storytelling and screenwriting and producing. Uh, I was guest lecturing at UCLA and LMU, USC. Um, and then I caught the bug for teaching. Like I said, my family is, uh, has several uh, professors in it. So um, I started screenwriting, producing, and teaching. I teach even still today at Loyola Marymount in their screenwriting department. Um, so that's kind of everything that I've done to this moment, which as of the last 18 months or so has led into this new area that I think we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about today, which is Web3, um, you know, the metaverse and how this and we at Verified Labs are hoping to disrupt kind of the traditional way that we consume content. Um, so I think we're very capable of doing that. I've, I, I'm usually the dumbest person in the room. I've surrounded myself by the smartest people with the, you know, biggest and boldest predictions and best connections. And together, I think we're capable of hopefully achieving great things in the space. And I know we'll get down into the, we'll do a deep dive into the nitty gritty of all that as we move forward on this. So. Well, um, the first question though is the high level what makes Verified Labs great and stand out from, you know, a lot of the other, you know, labs are in the metaverse? And what do you think your competitive you know, advantage really is? Yeah, there's a few things. One is I think um, we're in a position where we're capable of actually delivering on what we promise. We try to under promise and over deliver where I think a lot of times in this industry, people are over promising and under delivering. You'd be surprised how many times we talk to top level talent. I'm talking about the biggest musicians, actors and actresses, athletes, influencers in the world. And they say, hey, yeah, we've taken so many calls with different people who promise us everything, all these things. And then all of a sudden we don't hear from them again. Um, and I'm just mind blown because when we go into these meetings, you know, if, if I'm going to take a meeting with a Kevin Hart or a Jay Balvin or a Hulk Hogan or whoever it is, like, I'm going to be serious about what I'm offering you and what we're going to try to accomplish. And if you agree to it, then we're going to prioritize it and we're going to get it done. So I think that's a part of it. The other part is Verified Labs, I think, is a team. We're great. As I mentioned, we just have positioned ourselves really well. Because I worked at Innovative Artists and CAA, I'm friends with so many people that work in the, in the agencies that have access to this talent, and they all want to service their talent. You know, it's like probably 90%, that might be generous, but a large percentage of the talent are like, what is this space? How do we capitalize on it? How can I bolster my brand? How can I reach a bigger audience? How can I monetize it? And so they're at least taking the calls. It's funny, I would call CAA, I call WME, William Morris Endeavor, UTA, when I had film projects or TV projects in the past, trying to get an actor or an actress excited about it to package it, and they wouldn't answer my calls. And, or they would if they were friends of mine, but usually it would take some you know, prodding now I, you know, send an email or make a call and I'm like, hey, we're doing some exciting things in the metaverse and in Web3, you know, we want to service fill in the blank client. It's like I get a call within a few seconds, you know, or, or an email within a few minutes. It's, it's pretty wild. It's incredible. So I think with those connections too, it allows us to 
service our client, which are the actors, actresses, brands, musicians, all that, but also service the metaverse. You know, we're, we're, we're really embedded with the sandbox metaverse, which I'm sure you heard of. It's one of the biggest metaverses out there. And they understand our value too, where they're like, look, we have access to some of the talent too, but we can't service all of the experiences, um, you know, or, or concerts or whatever it is that you're trying to do. And so we're able to step in and say, we have access to the talent. We can create and develop the experiences. We can bring that to you. We can bolster your metaverse. So I think that's where we're uniquely positioned um, to, to achieve a lot of the things that we're trying to in the space. Uh, for both sides and for and for the consumer so so what have you seen like what are some of the really like special or cool things that you've seen so far in the metaverse i mean pretty much every day that i'm exploring the metaverse i see something exciting and new it's like you can't open the trades without hearing about some sort of project um you can't go to the sandbox or go to fortnite or go to Decentraland or Horizons or any of them without seeing something cool. I think because we're doing so much in the sandbox, I've been tracking Snoop Dogg a lot. Um, I signed an NDA over there, so I always forget what I can and can't share. <laughs> but I'll be careful about how I share it. But you know, one of the things that I'm excited about coming up is you know Snoop Dogg is heavily embedded in the sandbox. He's done a ton of things. Um, he's going to have a concert coming up here soon. Um, it's a limited amount of songs, so I actually don't know if we're officially calling they're officially calling it a concert, but it's going to be the first of its kind, you know, in the sandbox, at least we've had Fortnite that's done a concert with Travis Scott and Ariana Grande, Foo Fighters have done a concert in the metaverse. We've seen this happen, but it's one of the first big ones in the sandbox, which is exciting. But what excites me the most about that is we're directly following it up with our concert. Uh, we built a theater, this beautiful, big amphitheater in the sandbox. And that concert is going to come right after uh, Snoop Dogg, and that's going to be a Tupac concert. Um, so we are bringing Tupac back to life in this space, um, you know, continuing his legacy on. We've been working with the Tupac um, estate and Interscope Records and getting, you know, upwards of 16 songs to utilize for it. Um, so for us, we feel like it'll be a big production, something really exciting uh, and a first of its kind. Uh, in the space so we're excited about what's happening and what's close to follow that as well i want to go <laughs> part of both you've wow. you've met you've met the right person to at least go to the tupac concert i can get you some vip passes snoop dogg i'm not sure yet although we're hoping that you know once he has success with his concert and we're lined up next because we have developed the relationships with the entire team behind the sandbox that Maybe there's an opportunity to collaborate with Snoop if he wants to come in for a track, you know, or other artists. So, but yeah, we think it'll be fun. I mean, we're, we're trying to push this platform and concept and everything forward as much as we can. And we think music is a big part of that. You know, I brought up Kevin Hart earlier. Um, we're now working with WME, William Morris Endeavor, uh, in opportunities to service their clients. Kevin obviously is a brilliant actor and comedian. We're looking at hopefully doing a stand-up comedy special, uh, whether it's with him or someone else on their client list. Uh, we've also talked to um, a few, well, TJ Miller is one that we're talking to as well. He's not at WME, he's uh, at a different agency at CAA, but um, you know about opportunities for that too. So you're gonna, I think you're gonna start seeing concerts, which are exciting. You're gonna see stand-up comedy shows that you can 
that you can stream and watch normally or you can experience in an immersive experience. Um, the other thing I would say we're excited about is we produced a film this year, uh, earlier in the year. We're in post-production on it now. We just saw a sneak peek at the rough cut of the trailer um, this past Friday. We're super excited about the production value, how it's turned out. We're excited because we're looking at traditional models of distribution for it, right? So maybe we go on the film festival run. We'll probably, you know, go to some festivals. We'll look at streamers like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and all that. But what really excites us is, you know, some of these other metaverses uh, are looking at doing exclusive distribution deals. So even the Sandbox is a great example. We've built a beautiful old historic movie theater and we're thinking, why not have our premiere there? Why not bring all of our celebrity talent, invite paparazzi and press, invite people to come out and they can have a fully immersive experience, go to a premiere, and then we'll have the movie play exclusively in the sandbox for a couple of weeks or a couple of months before it officially goes to a streamer, or maybe it stays there. So, and that could be a place where other movies or TV shows could ex exclusively distribute. So those are some of the things that are happening that I'm excited about hearing about, but also pursuing uh, with, with Verified Labs. Awesome, awesome. So, so um, can, let me see. Let me see. Where do you think that Ediverse could be at right now for a couple of years compared to where it is today? And how do we get there? Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, Metaverse and Web3 is really in its infancy stage. I think when it gets to where it needs to be, we won't be calling it Web3 anymore. We probably won't be calling it the Metaverse. We'll just be calling it the Internet, right? We, we haven't been calling it Web2 for the last, you know, 10, 20 years. We've just been calling it the Internet. So I think it'll reach that point once we can get to what we're trying to achieve. If we're, if, if for some, and everyone has a different definition of what that is. For some people that's, you know, ready player one. <laughs> so I don't pretend to know anything that I, you know, about what I'm talking about, but ready player one, in my opinion, is a couple decades off that full experience, because for that, we need major, major advancements in battery life. We need major advancements in computation, which is basically just mathematical calculations. We need, you know, major advancements in quantum computing. I know some people will be like, oh God, don't say quantum computing. But, you know, this is the idea or phenomenon of, you know, quantum physics and the ways that it can create new computing, approaches to computing. So I think we need at least those three things to really be able to power what Web3 and the metaverse can be. Um, you know, the, the, the energy and bandwidth of that alone is, you're trying to recreate the world digitally so that it can function 24 seven. So that's gonna be very challenging. So I think that's far off, but I think in terms of achieving what we need to, to kind of push into what web three is, I think it's just about getting to a place where we can provide more of an immersive experience and everyone accepting that experience. You know, there are still people that are like, I don't want anything to do with NFTs, non-fungible tokens. If you say blockchain, I will, you know, I will cut my ears off. If you say Web3, I'm running in a different direction. You know, a lot of people are afraid of things that they don't know about um, or things that are new. And I think as we as we continue to learn more, educate ourselves, have fun experiences, um, then I think it'll be more accepting and people will get into the space more. And then I think they'll they'll allow themselves as the technology advances to 
bring themselves into Web3, which I think, like I said, is this immersive experience. Right now, it's if, if we always think of Web3 as like VR and AR and, and headsets and, and all that, it doesn't necessarily have to be that. It just has to be something that's immersive. You can still experience it on a flat screen, right? Um, so, so I don't think we're that far off, but I also think we're still very much in the infancy stages. And I can say that without a doubt because you know I've I've only been in this space here. I really took a deep dive, you know, a little over a year ago. It's always been on my periphery, but over a year ago when I did start Verified Labs with my family and and a close friend of mine because we saw how much it was affecting the entertainment industry. But I can say we're in the infancy stage because people are calling me an expert. And I'm like, if you're calling me an expert, like that means nobody knows anything about the space, right? Uh, and like I said, I mean, I have major, I'm, I, we're on calls with major celebrities and talent and you know, influential people in the world on a consistent basis because they're wanting to know more. And that just means the information and knowledge isn't out there. So even, stuff like this crypto hipster podcast like this is amazing it's a great way to get the information out like we're so grateful to be a part of this you know to be to be talking with you today also and to, to hopefully educate on some level so i think we're in an infancy stage but we have a lot of exciting things that'll happen in the next year three years five years ten years it'll just continue to be exciting as we go down the path you're going to have more people who understand how to build this from a technological perspective, because that's what's really missing is people are all hyped about it, but they haven't any experience building any technology, right? So as you get more people who are trained in building technology, you'll have more uh, experiences. No, for sure. It's it's interesting because we'll talk with some of you know our specific clients about bringing them into different metaverses. And then when we show them the sandbox metaverse, you know, they're like, am I looking at Atari, <laughs> you know, or like, am I looking at an original Nintendo? Like, because that's where the technology is right now. It feels very much like that 8-bit technology. Um, and it's just going to take a while before we can get to that Ready Player One. However, that being said, you know, you can go somewhere else like Unreal Engine and you look at Unreal Engine and you're like mind blown, like, oh my gosh, look what they're doing. Like that looks so realistic. But in order to be able to deliver that uh, to scale so that the world can have that experience, I think, um, you know, that's just gonna take time. And like you said, advancements in technology and building the infrastructure for it. Uh, but I think as long as we're all patient, um, we'll get there, you know? You, you have to look back at a lot of people forget now, but when Netflix was really disrupting the space of, uh, you know, traditional distribution models and creating what we now know and all think has been here forever, which is streaming, you know, initially they were a DVD by mail, <laughs> you know, subscription, and then they went into streaming and the streaming was terrible. You know, it's like the sound quality was bad. Half the time the show would be rebooting or loading up or freezing you know or the movie would it was there was some growing pains there for a long time there was a reason why we were paying you know probably between two and five dollars um, but now all that stuff is seamless i mean it's super high quality sound super high quality images hd you know like everything that you want it's seamless and it's because the technology caught up so it's it's really impressive where we've gotten to um, with just that technology with streaming, right? So I think, you know, down the road here, 
will think back to like, oh my gosh, look at how the metaverse was or Web3 was in its infancy stages, you know, kind of clunky, kind of hard to power. We just weren't there. So so we'll reach we'll reach it. And and all of this conversation will even be, you know, in the distant past of, oh gosh, remember 2022? Uh, so it's, it's exciting to be kind of at the forefront of it, but also, you know, I, I'm like trying to push the cart forward too. just like, let's get there. Let's keep, let's move, move, move. And, you know, people say working in this space is like every day is like a month in the real world. You know, we're, I, we at verified labs, like we have balance in our lives. Like this is something that I advocate, but we're, because we're having so much fun, we're working 24 seven, you know, but it's like, our work is just as much play. Like, I don't think there's a day that goes by. There are stressors, of course, but not a day that goes by that we're not laughing, you know, or like just recently we're like, how were we on a phone call with, I think we were on a, a Zoom call with like Dog the Bounty Hunter, uh, John Heater from Napoleon Dynamite, uh, Aaron Norris, like Chuck Norris's brother, like, you know, just like, you know, a couple months ago, who would have thought that that was a Zoom we were having about, you know, experiences that we were creating. So so we're having a blast doing it. And, you know, we're willing to take our time. Awesome. And so to the, the, so that this podcast remains universal, I want to shift gears a little bit so that 10 years from now, it'll still make sense. Um, I want to talk about the concept of legacy. Right, because you you mentioned legacy and and why is it important and how does it look like you know to to leave that legacy and what can people do to start thinking in terms of you know the importance of leaving a legacy? That's a great question. I I think a few things that I'll say about it is one, the very first film that I wrote when I got into the industry was called Killing Winston Jones, and the film revolved around. Uh, Winston Jones, who is this old retired junior high gym teacher who found out that they were building a new gymnasium at the junior high that he taught at his entire life. And he desperately wanted to get it named after him, right? To leave a legacy. And the only problem was the principal of the school was one of his disgruntled students from the past who was kind of picked on and made fun of and said, I'm not going to name the gym after you unless you die, I'll name it in memorial, you know, memorial of you. And so he has to make this decision, am I going to end it all in order to leave this legacy? That that character was played by Richard Dreyfus. And then the girls PE teacher was played by Danny Glover. He was dying of natural causes. He was dying of heart failure. And so now you have Danny's character and Richard's character battling it out for who could die first to leave this legacy, right? Um, so uh, when I was creating that you know when we were in production and there was some press behind it i would get the question quite often of you know how did you even come up with this idea and i said well i i always think about you know what it means to live and life in general and like what we want to leave behind and i said one day i was reading the trades and uh you know it's hollywood reporter variety at the time i think this was before deadline and i got to the a full spread on this actress from the 50s who had passed away. And obviously she was very important and influential because there were so many people who had said so many amazing things about her. And I had gone and she'd won a bunch of Oscars and, and I'd gone to film school. I knew a lot about film history. I did not know who this actress was. 
And I was like, how is this possible that this actress was a household name? The world pretty much knew her. I didn't know her. Like, what do you have to do to leave a legacy these days? And so that always kind of just stuck with me. I think we all want to feel some certain amount of importance in the world. You know, I um, a few years back, I had a really important relationship end, and my reaction to it was to sell sell basically everything that I owned or put, you know, a majority of it in storage and just travel aimlessly for over a year. And I did. It was kind of my eat, pray, love, my, my homage to eat, pray, love. But when I was in Southeast Asia, I learned something uh, referred to as Ikigai, which is this Japanese concept of a reason for being. And really what it is, is this reason to get up and get out of bed in the morning and something that drives you, your passion, right? And something that fulfills you. And I think outside of just a reason for being, it's like a reason for purpose and why we're here. And I think innately as human beings, we want to leave some sort of legacy or at least have touched people in some sort of way. And I think the metaverse is something that's very interesting in Web3 because technically through through technology, you could leave a legacy where a part of you is in that arena forever or, or as long as that exists, which could have much more longevity than obviously your own lifespan. And so I had, I had dinner with Dog the Bounty Hunter uh, not too long ago, and I was we were deciding whether or not we wanted to work together. As you know, spoiler alert, we are. It's a happy ending. Um, we're we're creating an amazing experience together. But but you know, I think he was figuring out whether or not I was you know useful for him and and vice versa. And so during the dinner, he said to me, you know, when I was thinking about getting into reality television. I had a ton of people come to me and say, don't do it. You're crazy. It's a fad. It's going to go away. You're going to be a laughing stock. You're going to ruin your career. You're never going to make any money. No one's going to take you seriously again. You're an idiot. It's career suicide. And he said, I heard that from more people than I didn't. And he, again, it goes back to what we were saying. People like to hate things that they don't know about or that are new. And as we've seen, reality television has changed how we consume entertainment. Dog the Bounty Hunter was at the forefront of that. He had the second biggest reality show behind the Osbournes in the early 2000s. It changed his life for the better, and he made a ton of money off of it. And he said, look, that was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. When we had dinner, he said to me, this is my second chance at a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to create an experience that lives in the metaverse and to work with you guys. And the moment that he said that, I was like, where do we sign? Like, let's do this. Like, you're in it for the right reasons. You know, this isn't a money grab. This isn't a cash grab. You know, a lot of people think celebrities and brands are in it for that. And some might be, but we don't work with those individuals. We work with the ones that are passionate about the space, the future of it, and potentially leaving a legacy. This is a great opportunity for dog to leave a legacy. We've created an experience where, you know, people are going to go on dog, the bounty hunter, you know, bounty hunts with him. You know, so it's, it's the video game experience, but you know, you're going to hear dogs, actual voice encouraging you on all of those missions. Um, and to take it one step further, uh, you know, we've even talked to individuals about uh, having their plot, as in like, we're talking internally about creating a cemetery that exists in the metaverse, where p instead of people going, people can still go to the physical plot, and they can, you know, visit their loved ones that have passed. 
but they can also go to a virtual plot. And there in the virtual space, you could have a recording of your loved one, a message that they left you. You could see an avatar, you could see uh, uh, images or, or video footage, you know, put together, cut together that reminds you of them. You could leave virtual flowers that won't die, you know, a couple days later. There are a lot of different things that you can have a connection with someone that you've cared about, even in the afterlife. So their legacy lives on. So I think those are some of the things that I think excite us and why I think the space, you know, could be really, really important and and uh, vital to us you know as, as human beings to go in asia what's that where did you go in asia oh sorry i started in uh i had a friend who was living in bali he was uh in the outskirts of ubud so i got a 60-day um uh basically like a 60-day pass to, to Indonesia, to Bali. Um, and then I didn't have uh, any sort of agenda or itinerary. And I met some people while I was off the coast of um, Lombok on a small island called Gili Air. And they said, you need to go to Thailand. You need to go into, you need to stay at this hotel in Old Phuket, and then you need to go to this island it's my favorite island in the world, so I, which is called uh, Riley. Um, so then I went to Thailand um, and bummed around all over Thailand. And then I, I had plans of going to Vietnam, but then, because uh, someone had recommended it, and then last minute I was recommended New Zealand. And then I just, I was, I think I was in 12 different countries um, over 12 months. Um, but yeah, I, I was in Southeast Asia bumming around there for maybe like, a little over two months, I think. Yeah. 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 yeah Vietnam's awesome. I need to go. I have, I still have not been, and that's top of my list. Like, as soon as I can, I'm going there. Yeah. I backpacked across Southeast Asia for four months and China. So, uh, highly recommend Vietnam, Cambodia, and China. Um, I will, I will call you immediately and have <laughs> you recommend all the places that I need to go. I love hearing from the people that have been there and, experiences that they've had it's it's always helpful so another experience that i'm going to talk about and because this this intrigued me right i uh, i graduated college and then three years later i went to grad school yeah um you know i got my master's in finance you graduated college and 17 years later you, you went to grad school so a lot of people don't do that so what what drove you to do that like you go bucked against the trend, you know, what, what, what drove that? How'd you, you know, what was that all about? And what did you learn? I think I was so eager and ambitious and driven. The moment that I graduated, I moved to LA and I, you know, I, I didn't have a ton of financial support. I didn't have a, very many connections. Um, you know, I had definitely had not established myself in any way, shape or form, but I just really, was so passionate i was like i just have to make this work and so you know it, it it's challenging everyone's got a story of how they break into the entertainment industry it didn't happen overnight for me uh, but that was just the focus and i think you know they're in that passion when you're young i think there's a certain effervescence but also naivete to it of not recognizing how challenging it can be 
you know, there's that old cliche that it only took 10 or 20 years to become an overnight star. Everyone has to put in their time and their work and their effort. It doesn't happen overnight except for, you know, 0.000001% of people. You know, I think Malcolm Gladwell is always credited with saying you have to, you know, in order to master something, you need 10,000 hours. Um, so I just really was focused on putting in those 10,000 hours and that was my grad school. And I think, you know, for me that worked. A lot, you know, I teach now, uh, like I said, at Loyola Marymount, and a lot of my students will say, you know, should I go to grad school? And my answer is always, of course, if it's something that you're passionate about, you want to continue educating yourself at all times. Just because I wasn't in grad school at a university doesn't mean that I wasn't in grad school. I was constantly going to lectures, you know, Q and A's, panels, like screenings, reading as much as I could, reading the trades. And that was my grad school. That was me constantly learning. Like you have to, in order to be successful, especially as a screenwriter, you have to be better than 99% of the other screenwriters out there. I mean, 99% of concepts are passed on after the first scene that's read. Think about that as a writer. You know, as a producer, it's equally as hard. So for me, it was really a dedication to the profession outside of being just in traditional academia. Um, some of the things that happen also is, this isn't for all the schools, but some schools in academia focus on the critical knowledge. So like the craft, they don't focus on the practical knowledge. So even UC Santa Barbara, which I love, it's very history and theory based. So when I moved to LA, I had no idea how to get a job or be a working screenwriter or producer. I had to learn the business in the business. A lot of these other schools, especially you know at LMU now I'm teaching in the grad program, I'm teaching a screenwriting class for my students, but I'm also teaching another class that is um, the business of the industry. It's teaching them how to be a working screenwriter, a working producer, how to pitch ideas, how to get those set up. So. Um, the reason it took me 17 years is I two, it's twofold. One is, like I said, focused in on my career. The other was I love academia. I do. My, my time right now, my bandwidth is a little stretched because we're so busy at Verify Labs with everything we're doing, and it's such an exciting space. It's hard for me to carve out enough time to really dedicate to my students, although I am still doing it and keeping up with them. Um, but... I do want a future in academia in some way, shape, or form, and maybe that's even in retirement at some point, if I retire, although I won't. But in order to even be in part of the conversation to be tenure track, meaning you, they bring you in and you're like, you, you can stay at this university as long as you want. You do have to have an advanced education. So I was like, I'm going to go back. I'm going to study more. I'm going to learn more about the craft. I'm going to make great connections. Because that's the other thing people forget at the university level, um, you know, you're not only learning the craft, but you're meeting a bunch of great people. I had so many classes where they're bringing in showrunners and producers and writers and actors and actresses, people that you want to know that can help you with your career. And because I'd already kind of established my career, I had a unique advantage where I'd, you know, someone would come in, I'd be like, hey, let's go grab some coffee. I think we have some things in common. We've worked on these things together. And I all of a sudden, you know, could work with them. So that, that was a reason too, is, is getting an opportunity at tenure track if I ever want it, continuing my education. And also we're in this really unique space. I'm sure you've heard this a thousand times, but it's like, you know, Hollywood has been run by old white dudes for the last hundred or something years. And thankfully, you know, that's changing. 
you know, voice is being given to a lot of underrepresented communities. Um, and, you know, we, we, I, I know a lot of people are, are, there's a little backlash at the terminology of, of diversity and inclusion, but all I say in saying that is now more people are at, have a seat at the table, which I think is a good thing. And I had an opportunity to go to a lot of different grad schools and I chose CSUN, Cal State Northridge. And part of the reason I chose it is California State School, so it's cheap. It is like seven grand or something, you know, or less a semester or a year where like I could go to USC, which I love, don't get me wrong, one of the top, top graduate programs you can go to for screenwriting producing, let alone all the connections that they have and they can help you out. But I mean, is that worth the 60 grand? Maybe it is as an investment. You have to decide what's best for you. For me, I was like, I'm gonna throw seven grand at this. My friends were running the department, Scott, Jared, Morgan, all these guys. So I knew I'd probably be taking classes from my friends so I could give them a little bit of shit, you know, and like learn from them. And also, and they, you know, half the time they're asking me to, you know, what my thoughts were, cause I knew I taught also. And also it was the diversity component. I was, I was one of three, you know, white dudes in in my cohort and 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 the majority of them represented you know a lot of different communities which was great and it was it was eye-opening and to see their passion to be like finally we have an opportunity to tell our stories that was great and and i and i really respected that and and it actually led to a great opportunity um where uh i had a former student of mine actually when i was teaching at ucla for their extension program he's now running a studio called exile content i'm not sure if you've heard of exile but exile is huge he is now you know the head of the studio there they um are focused on servicing the hispanic community so it's content for hispanic population it's hispanic for it in terms of directors showrunners actors actresses everyone they bring so one of my uh, fellow students and writers in my cohort, um, Anna. I helped her get uh, a job there. She's now a junior executive, which is great. I got a former student of mine, Chandler Chavez, Chavez, an opportunity to work there. He was a student of mine at Arizona. He's now a junior executive. I developed a close relationship with Nando, where now we have two different projects that we have set up there. Uh, this is the last thing I'll say on it, but one of which is that I'm excited about. It's called Cigar City. It's a reimagining and a counter narrative of the original Popeye the Sailor Man comic strip, but it's told through the eyes of olive oil. Um, it's a hard R one hour period piece that takes place in Cuba and basically in Cigar City, which is Ybor City, now known as like Tampa Bay, Florida, during Prohibition. Um, and, and it's all centered around this Afro-Cuban community. And, you know, that would not exist without you know this push to tell these underrepresented stories and and a big part of that is the support of exile content my fellow creator uh dr misha martinez who also represents um latinos latinx uh so a lot of that stuff is great and and a lot of that came together because of my time um at 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 csun so i just think there's no reason not to go back to school if you're passionate about it the what you'll learn and the people that you'll meet will present opportunities that wouldn't be presented anywhere else. So I'm very grateful to have done it even 17 years later. And I would do it again if it makes sense. You know, maybe maybe it's my MBA, although I'm, I'm really interested in psychology. And I think learning more about psychology could help me in my storytelling, especially developing characters. So maybe in another 17 years.
<laughs> but there's three promises to blockchain technology. You know that, right? Tell me. Uh, banking the unbanked or unbanking the bank, depending on what country you're in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Identity for the unidentified. Mm -hmm. And where I come in, a voice for the voiceless. Yeah. So that's what I'm passionate about. It sounds like we have an alignment there with the voice for the voiceless part. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I want to thank you very much uh, for your time today. This has been a wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed speaking with you. And I have one final question. And it's this, is how can people find out more information about you, about Verified Labs, about what you do? How can they maybe sit in on one of your courses? How can they do that? Yeah, for sure. Um, and thank you for that question. Uh, we have a website that's going live here in about a week. We've been working extremely hard on it over the last couple of months. It's just verified-labs.com. Um, you know, if, if you Google search Verified Labs, a bunch of stuff will pop up. We had a fun Forbes article about fun things that we're doing with John Heater, you know, Nap uh, from Napoleon Dynamite fame and how we're bringing him into the metaverse. We just had another article actually come out in Entertainment Weekly and, and Deadline and all those publications yesterday about an animated project that we're producing um, that John and the entire cast of Napoleon Dynamite are voicing the characters on. Super exciting. Uh, called Psycho. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, an easy Google search of Verified Labs will probably get you any sort of information that you need. We're, we're on social media. We have our, you know, Twitter. Um, and yeah, I mean, in, in terms of reaching out, like I'm accessible. People can always reach out to me. I'm just Justin at verified-labs.com. Um, and uh, my assistant is great too, Alex, Alex at verified-labs.com. Um, and if people are interested in, in crashing a class, we can we can probably make that happen. A lot of two of my classes are in person. Again, thank goodness we're kind of coming out the back end of this this uh, pandemic. Um, but I do have one of my other classes that is online. I'm, I'm teaching two classes at Loyola Marymount in their graduate program, and then uh, CSUN wrangled me because they're like, "You're you're a grad now. Come back and and teach with us." So I, I got a class there in the undergrad. So I'm always happy to invite a few people in to to learn a bit. And on top of it, we're uh, on our website when it comes out, we have a ton of stuff coming up from, um, we, we like we're constantly speaking on panels. We just did Digital Hollywood this last weekend, which was super fun. Um, we have ThetaCon, uh, which is coming up. I know you had Andrea uh, on your podcast recently from Theta, she's a gem. Uh, we're gonna go to ThetaCon in December, I believe it's the second through the fourth. Uh, in, in, in Fort Lauderdale, uh, where we'll be talking all about our projects. We have uh, Infinity Festival coming up, which is huge, November 2nd through the 5th. I think we're speaking on the 4th about, you know, NFTs and how we're disrupting uh, the, the, the system, you know, the entertainment system and traditional ways of development. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think Google search or just get in contact with us and we'll, we'll keep you updated on everything. So thank you very much for having me.